You're listening to Conversations of Inspiration with Ben Moore and Scott Gunn on the EXP podcast. The show that brings you expert insights from those who have had an exponential impact on their industries. They say that success leaves footprints, so take a walk with us as we explore all things growth, business and mindset every Monday from 7am. Sit back, relax and enjoy today's show. Go. Three, two, one. Hello, my friend. Oh, Ben, how's it going? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, how are you keeping busy, Ben? Listing lots, selling lots? Yeah, it's been, well, I'll be honest, mate, this week's been quite quiet, to be fair, but last week was a bit of a whirlwind. We uh, sold the property this week. And I've been busy with a few bits and pieces, mainly around marketing and positioning and whatnot. So it's been a quiet week for appointments, but it's been a productive week in terms of doing important work that I think is going to serve me well to come. And um, what about yourself? Great, mate. I, I sold a garage. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> As <laughs> you well the know. aerial photography and the tour that you did. Yeah, I, I, I just, I didn't even do it for any reason other than I just thought it'd be funny to throw the kitchen sink at selling a garage. So produced a full video and a description that's probably better than the last four bed detached house I've sold. So I, I don't know why, but it, it tickled me. And I was pleased that you noticed as well, because at least it means two of us are laughing at it. But yeah, no, it was good fun. Sold straight away. It's a, a record price for a garage in the local area as well. So a little bit yeah, of a... Sounds like a new bio line to me, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to become like a garage specialist. Yeah, could very easily happen, couldn't it? But, but Scott, if you could send me the um, if you could send me the brochure through the post whenever you get a minute, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, a second viewing, second viewing. Um, yeah, that was good though. Enjoyed it. Uh, so uh, yeah, pipeline grew a little bit, but uh, yeah, probably not as significantly as, as as yours this week, that's for sure. But um, oh, brilliant, mate. Well, that, that, that's good to see anyway. And um, to be fair, mate, outside of work, I've had a bit of a nightmare. I don't know if you heard me leaving a voice note to my mortgage advisor when you were. I did, yeah. When yeah. we first came on. So, yeah, a couple of dramas. I'm about to put my house on the market and get it sold. And one or two things have come to light that need addressing. So I'd rather get it done and get the house tipped up before it goes on the market. But that's a few grand that I could have done without. So apart from those dramas, everything's been peachy on my side, mate. Just to add some added pressure, I'm going to be scrutinising those details when you make your own house live for any commas or spelling mistakes or apostrophes <laughs> in the wrong place. Um, I know your household are very uh, into all the, the copyright and stuff, so I will be double checking it. Yeah, I, I'm going to just hand that mantle over to Becky, so fingers crossed, you know, there's no <laughs> comma out of place. Yeah. Um, because whenever it's me, I'm, I'm, I'm comma happy and cliche, like full of cliches. So you only realise, like, I got Becky to rewrite a couple of my descriptions and I, look, I thought mine were good. And then you look and think, actually, I am the cliche king. You just don't realise that you're doing it because we're in the space all the time, you know? Oh, I know I'm doing it. My, my details are terrible, what I write. I had a, a lady in a bungalow about six months ago, actually. She said, oh, do you mind if I have a little stab at writing the bio? And you know when you, like, roll your eyes because... I've got 20 years of the experience. I don't need any help. Thank you. Yeah. And then she sent over, she sent over these details. I'm thinking, God, I need to give you like 50 quid every time I list one just to write me up some details. They were great. And it'd been on for a couple of months and it's sold within like three days. Really? <laughs> yeah. And we'll never ever know what part the description played in that is, is my defense. But obviously in the vendor's mind, 
they sold their there. own bungalow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's always going to be the case. But no, it's it, it's it's been. I know. I wasn't planning on speaking about Becky or plugging her business, but since we're on the conversation, I might as well give it a little plug. Um, for anyone who's listening, it's been brilliant. Like, the valuations have been to the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we've got the videos that we talk about and, and photography and whatnot. But kind of the, the the pulling power of saying we've got a you know a professional in-house copywriter who's able to you know really tell the story of your home and bring it to life in the written word it's just another sort of tool in the arsenal to create distance between you and, and the next two agents that are coming in to value it so it's been a good instruction winner as well as saving me a crap load of time and getting the job done better so anyone who needs help with descriptions to buy back some time or improve your marketing give me a shout and i'll hook you up yeah i'd second that as well and i think anyone that looks up any of your recent details mate will know that um you know what becky does is quality so um yeah, I think it's it's a plug that hopefully will help one or two people as well. Fingers um, crossed, mate. But that, that's enough about uh, the hard sell for, for Becky's business. So today's <laughs> episode, Scott, we're going to um, we're going to go through a bit of a Q and A, right? So we're going to cover a couple of uh, questions that have come up in in recent weeks. I always enjoy doing these episodes because, as I say, every single time we do it, I think if anyone cares enough to ask a question, then no doubt there are hundreds or thousands out there wondering the exact same thing. You just haven't made that question known yet. So uh, fingers crossed today's uh, a good value add. And today, quite appropriately, the first question comes in around um, an agent who's low on listings, an agent who's an incredible agent, very good agent, very committed, uh, been in the market for a little while, had some success, but they're suddenly drying up with, with fresh listings to sell. Um, and they came to ask our advice on effectively, what can they do? Talk me through some ABCs, help me structure my week. How do I go about transforming this and getting some fresh stock? So uh, I'll put the spotlight on you, Scott. There's a question everyone's asking at the moment because um, you know you've got you've got two ends of that. You've got agents that are brand new into the business that are trying to win their first bunch of instructions. You've also got the fact that right now, if you list anything, it tends to go under offer relatively quickly. So you know we've got some really successful agents here, and I know plenty of um, you know really busy offices that are sort of find themselves sitting looking out the window because the pipelines are really good but everything's going under offer really quick so I don't know if you've had it where you can almost get to the end of the week and feel guilty because you feel like you haven't been busy enough but that's because you listed a couple on Monday and they're both sold by Tuesday and then Wednesday Thursday and Friday feel quiet even though it's been a successful week so it is it's, it's a question on every estate agent's lips at the moment which is how to how to win more instructions um, I think what we're I think we're probably what we're going to find is is direct mail which We've got another question about direct mail, so I'm going to keep a little bit of the, the sort of detail back for now. But I think direct mail is going to be a real key over the next six to nine months because, in all honesty, last year sending out direct mail was was costly and less rewarding because everything was going under offer within days, if 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 that. So by the time your letters were arriving, often stuff had gone under offer and therefore it wasn't wasn't relevant. Um, so I think direct mail now is is great. I think canvassing as well. I mean, I don't know about you, mate, but I was talking to someone else today. I haven't had a, I haven't had a canvassing letter through my front door. I'm going to say six months, but I'm thinking 12. You know, it seems to be that agents just don't bother with it anymore. They're all driven towards social media and, you know, those platforms because maybe because they're cheaper, possibly, maybe because they're a bit sexier. Um, maybe because you can track the ROI a little bit easier. So I get it, and it's really important to be very present on social media. But as a result, I don't think many agents are out there canvassing. I don't think they're sending letters in their road when they 
Yeah, and canvas looking in an area like flyering or, or like blanket dropping yeah like oh, choo choosing a choosing a, a development or an estate near you or five or six popular roads and if you've got buyers looking in that area letting people know you know write to people let them know you've got a buyer looking in that area with a budget of you know yeah. make the letters relevant yeah no i, I think that's a good shout mate because i think sometimes like the I don't want to call them old school techniques because I think they're as relevant today as they ever were, but old school in the fact that these are, you know, strategies that have been around since long before me and you started in property. Yeah. I think the, the, the sort of basics and, and the stuff that we've all heard a million times can sometimes, you know, the reason why they've been around for so long and you've heard about those strategies a million times is because they are effective. And um, I think you're right, mate, there is quite rightly a big shift towards digital, but, but like everything, I think it's, you know, you can't be applying infinite thinking and thinking, okay, well, social media is important. Therefore, all I'm going to do is social media. Definitely yeah. do social media, but but make sure you're blending that in with, with other things as well that you can sustain and, and be consistent with. And I think that that, that that could be a good shout. And normally, wherever most agents are lacking, it creates a great space for you to fill, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I listened to a lot of Gary, Gary V, and, and, you know, he was saying in a recent podcast I listened to that he fully reckons that one day he'll be doing podcasts about how to make the most of print advertising and how to make the most of radio advertising. And the reason for that, he said, I'm not into social media for social media's sake. I'm into social media because it gets me results. And also right now, it's the most cost-effective way for most businesses to advertise. But what's starting to happen is the cost of advertising on social media is being driven up. You know, a lot of these free platforms now are starting to give, as you know, it's it's far harder now to grow your Instagram following than it was five years ago because they're trying to monetize the platform and yeah. make it very easy at first, then it becomes more and more expensive. And the same now, you know, digital, the reason print and radio is so unpopular is because it got very, very expensive because it was the best way to do it. What's happening now is print and radio, and I'm not recommending radio, by the way, to anyone yeah, at the moment. Yeah, until it's, I was literally thinking that. <laughs> and, 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 until it's as soon as they phone me up and it's close to free then i'm open-minded but certainly with print you know now you've got an opportunity if you've still got a local paper you've probably got an opportunity to own it very very cheaply very cost effectively canvassing you know if i'm going to offer any tips on canvassing it's to uh, send letters so don't even have to be envelopes send a letter that says you've got a buyer looking that area if you believe you do a little bit of information about that buyer to make it relevant to the people who live in that house so you know local agent near me probably the last letter I got said they had a buyer looking for a two, three or four bedroom house. Right. You know, and, and the right. budget was about 200 grand price range. That becomes yeah. very uninteresting. And yeah, yeah. It's just very clear that you're just sending a, a wide net out and open that. Well, and actually what, what becomes really shit about it is that I live in a development or an estate of probably a thousand houses that pretty much all look the same. So it wouldn't have been hard to have tailored that to look relevant. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to throw out any other tips on, on, on canvassing, it's one, it's great to outsource, but if you can do it yourself, then why not? Um, it's a great way to get on your community and how many of us struggle, let's, okay, slightly off tangent, but how many of us struggle to combine exercise with running a business? Well, I'll tell you what, if you do an hour a day posting leaflets, it's yeah. Such a great fat burner, yeah, and also well, you know that was my that was my first thought when I started my business. I had to combine the two, you know, an hour a day, get out and about, and and actually, um, I know again, I know a lot of people that aren't necessarily fans of going out to actually just do door knocking, but why not knock a door if you see that it's for sale while you're out and about, or give the vendor a wave, or whatever you want to do. You know, we had an agent 
yesterday, um, Holly, Holly Lickis, um, she was walking up somebody's drive and really nice lady just come out and said, oh, hello, you know, what are you doing? And Holly's really approachable and got great personality. So they just hit it off straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's got a valuation from it. Now, I've, had, I've, had, I've had that a few times myself, mate, where yeah. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of door knocking, not because it doesn't work, just because I don't like it. But, you know, it's it, I have had it where I've literally gone to post a letter, the vendor's pulled up with a bag of shopping as I've gone to the front door, and you're just forced into a situation where you're going to have a conversation. And they're always the best ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just, just relax, make a joke of it, and yeah. just yeah. Get, get the conversation started. And almost because you were there to do, because you were there to leaflet, and it turned into a door knock. The, the fact you're there to leaflet almost gives you permission to start the conversation, if you like. Yeah. Whereas when you go out just a door knock, you know, I think it's Dan O'Connell that said in one of our meetings, you know, I've gone out door knocking loads of times. I've never taken a letter with me as my reason to be there. Oh, sorry, I just saw, thought you might be in. I was just about to post this through the door and didn't want to surprise you. That's just a great way to start a conversation because it you've got another motive for being there other than I'm just here to disturb you. So um, I thought that was really, really positive. And I also think it's important, you know, a lot of the advice we give is, is, or certainly I naturally talk more now about what smaller businesses can do and what self-employed businesses can do to grow their business. And I think it's about recognising what is an achievement from doing that. So again, Holly got something out of her first trip out. <laughs> but it's also important to know that if the next three times you go out, you don't get much out of it. It doesn't matter because that could be four hours spent for one valuation, which is still a, that's a pat on your back time, isn't it? That's yeah. a win as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. um, Plus as well, mate, you don't know the ongoing effect of the work that you're putting in today. So I could write to you and say, oh, you know, I've got a buyer who's looking for a four bed detached bungalow in Margate. Um, yeah. please do give me a call you might think there's no way I'm selling for another 10 years but actually I've heard that you know Christine at number 12 is thinking of moving I'll pass this on and you, yeah. you, don't, you don't you don't really know how far that could go and, and, and you won't see that until maybe a couple of months down the line yeah absolutely I mean the example I'll give with that is right now in my and I've probably said this in a previous thing but in my cutlery drawer you know where you keep your leaflets <laughs> um, I've got a leaflet there for a company called Palm Bay Fencing little plug um, now that guy's got no idea that I'm going to call him, but I'm going to be calling him in May because yeah. I need my whole garden refenced. Yeah. He at the moment thinks he might think he's wasted his time that day going out and doing his leaflets, but it's literally sat there and I won't yeah. call anyone else. It's sat there ready to give him a ring and get a quote from him as soon as he's ready. Um, so you, you're right. You don't know the long-term results of that. And, uh, we spoke before about how, you know, one listing can open up an area can, you know, to go back to Holly's example, she might list that house and it could lead to three or four more on that development over the next six yeah, months. Yeah. So actually that one leaflet turns into a three grand fee, turns into a 15 grand fee and five people that are recommending you to everyone they can. So it's these small seeds. And I think, I, I don't think estate agents, I don't think most estate agents are lazy. I just think, I do think there's a lack of direction when it comes to how to win new business. And I think it, I don't think there's anything wrong with applying these methods, but the, the key is don't bother if you're just going to do it once. The key is to apply it and almost diarise. I'm going to do this an hour a day canvassing for three months. And then you do it an hour a day canvassing for three months. Um, I actually think any method that I've that we'd ever talk about for, for generating new business, if you just applied that consistently every day, your business would be successful. If I dropped 400, let's, how many leaflets can you do in an hour? 
let's say you could do 100, couldn't you? One every 30 seconds, right? So let's say you can do down most roads, you could probably do 120 leaflets an hour, can you? So if you delivered six, 700 leaflets or letters a week, which is one hour a day, every day for three months, and what your business is going to be unsuccessful? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing when, when people are, you know, chasing quick wins and silver bullets, you know, the, the reality is, is that everything works with the right consistency and the right approach. You see it all the time on LinkedIn. You shouldn't be door knocking. Well, you shouldn't be doing direct mail. Well, you shouldn't be sharing into local groups. Well, you shouldn't be. And it's like, well, no, every single one of these things works. It's just that people are going to have their own kind of confirmation biases as to what's the best based on their own experience. But we could sit here and wax lyrical about how direct mail is the best way to grow your business. But guess what? If the person listening to the podcast hates the thought of direct mail, will not do it. It makes them feel sick thinking of putting those wheels in motion, but actually they're quite happy to go out to networking events or blanket drop flyers and they can do that consistently. Then that's going to be the best strategy for them because the best strategy is the one that you can stick to over time. Um, we say exactly the same in, in fitness. You know, I could say hit training is the best way to lose weight. You could say no walking my dog for an hour a day is the best way to lose weight. If you hate hit but love walking your dog, then walking your dog is the right answer. So yeah. you know, there's no right or wrong way. It's just find the strategy that works and I guess have patience and have confidence in it, even when you've not got much reason to do and just yeah. plod on and keep doing it. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. Um, so on the topic of generating leads and we touched on a little bit there about, you know, the importance of direct mail and maybe how we can, you can start to change a tap for that to get in front of the right customers. Um, the second question that we had come forward was from someone who's been following to the T what I've been saying on direct mail and the phone's ringing, which is great. That's what you want to let's do. That's this job. Once someone picks up the phone and speaks to you, that that's the letter, you know, having fulfilled its role. But then this agent's having um, a bit of a disconnect, really, between the initial call and the booking of the appointment. They're having conversations, but they're not actually getting through doors. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's, um, that's not uncommon. Um, you know, it's fairly because somebody normally, if you're if you're writing them on a direct mail basis, they're on the market with somebody else, so you've got all sorts of hurdles to overcome, like their their agency agreement, or they could have a even if they've got a semi-decent relationship, you've also got their time constraints that most busy people have where they might be irritated with their agent, but it's finding the time to, to make a change and get you around their house. So I think the first thing's first, the win in that situation is that you're getting calls in the first place. So the direct mail has done what it needed to do. So the fact that you are maybe not getting enough valuations from it, that's irrelevant because if we just isolate what is direct mail's role, direct mail's role is to get you calls. It's not to get you valuations. It's not to get you instructions. It's not to get you sales. It's to get people on the phone who give you a chance to promote your service. So first of all, the fact that the individual's getting calls is a win. So that's good. The direct mail is working, but it's how you take those calls from essentially how you turn that conversation to cash, right? So that's what you're looking to do. I think, it's how you handle that call when it first comes in. And the, the, the very, very first thing you want to do, because when somebody calls and they say, look, I've had a letter, I'm interested to know why you've written to me. I think our first tendency is probably to panic a little bit. No one would ever say it out loud, but we all do it. You know, if I, I get into the habit of direct mail and dealing with those calls, but if I go a few months without doing it and I start over again, yeah, I yeah. still get that slightly faster beating chest and definitely, that urge to, 
pitch and promote the hell out of my services to someone and and, and whatever. And I think so as ridiculous as it is when I coach how to deal with the direct mail calls, the very first thing I had listed on my thing is to take a breath. So it sounds ridiculous advice and probably anybody listening thinking, fucking hell, can't believe it. But the, the most important bit is just to take half a second, just to catch your breath and then take control of that conversation. So the very first thing I will say is that thanks very much for giving me a call following the letter. My direct mail is very brief. So I'd always say, I know I didn't give too much away about why I was writing to you, but um, as you've called, actually, what I can do is make sure you don't get any more letters. I take it, you want me to do that. They'll always say yes. Then you say, cool, what's the first line of your address? And I'll take you straight off, off my list. So they'll give you the first line of their address because they want to go off the mailing list. So you first win is you've got their address. Nine times out of 10, you've got their phone number because they called you, very few withhold. You might take your name. It's always nice to know who you're talking to. Yeah, sure, my name's John. You've now got their name, you've got their address, and you've got their telephone number. Direct mail job completed, okay? Even if you completely F up this conversation, doesn't matter. You can have another go next week because you can call them back and try again. So at this point, you can relax a lot. Now, what we don't want to do is we don't want to just start slagging off their agent or slating their listing or you know, that because that's a real negative. But I would typically do, and, and this is why I don't think there's anything wrong with having three or four questions written down. When you know you're likely to get direct mail responses, I don't do it anymore because I've had these calls a lot, but I normally have three or four questions written down. The worst question you can ask, right? The worst question you can ask is, how are you getting on? Yeah. Yeah, all right. They don't yeah. know what they, they don't know what answer you're looking for. They'll say, yeah, all right. But they'll say, yeah, all right, or great. Okay. Your conversation is dead at that point yeah. anyway, because how do you respond to somebody who says, yeah, great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, I'm pleased to hear that. Oh, good. So you love your current estate agent. Uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> so you've got to take control of that conversation. And the way I would do that is I would ask them one of two questions, probably depending on how assertive they were on the phone. If they were pretty assertive, I'd probably ask them the question, how many offers have you had? If they were a little bit softer, I'd probably ask them the question, how many viewings have you had? The reason for that is it's a factual answer and they'll give you a factual. So how many viewings have you had? I've had three or I've had 20. Doesn't matter whether they say loads or little. I know how to deal with both those approaches. So you're asking a question when you know how to deal with any answer they give. Yeah. Because all you do is say back to them, oh, right. Oh, you've only had, you've only had three viewings. How do you feel about that? Or you've had 20 viewings. How many offers have you had? Yeah. Okay, so you're leading the question. Now, again, whether they've had 20 viewings or three, they're going to be irritated with their estate agent because they haven't had enough viewings and they're irritated or they've had to go out 20 times for an hour to accommodate a view and it's not led to a sale. Yeah. So it's very easy to get them now into a conversation where they're, they're being critical of their agent, maybe in a way that they haven't vocalised out, out loud before. So you're, you're starting to educate on the fact their agent hasn't done a great job. Now, I when I have those conversations, I will keep those conversations going as long as possible. So how many offers have you had? How do you feel about that? You can mirror back what they're saying and keep them chatting for five to 10 minutes. I would normally at that point say, look, I've really enjoyed the conversation and I really appreciate you coming back to me following my letter. It's always nice to know that they don't all end up in the bin and they'll laugh because they're friendly and so are you and you're getting on. Um, 
Look, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm a relatively new business in your area. The fortunate thing about that is it does mean I've got a little bit more time on my hands than I probably will do in a few months. And what I'd like to do, and if you can sort of handle this, Ben, I'd, I'd like to come out and, and just have a look at your house for five to 10 minutes and grab a cup of tea with you. And if you can handle it, I'll be really, really honest with you about why I feel your house hasn't sold. Who's going to say no to that? Like, if, if, if you've got someone who's actually going to come out and tell you directly, with all the bullshit you've heard from your current agent about crap feedback and the market doing it, just nonsense, and somebody actually says directly, I'm going to come out and tell you why you have not sold your house. It's not a valuation. They don't want a valuation. They, they feel they know what their house is worth, and they probably have three when they put it in the market. They don't want a valuation now. They want help in how and why they haven't sold. So I always lead with that. Can I come out and I will tell you, honestly, why your house hasn't sold as long as no offences. And people will often say, yeah, do you know what? That sounds great. Let's get you out. And then you've got the valuation and, and that's kind of step two, if you like. Um, so that's my approach. Sorry to go on a bit, but that's that's how I would handle that situation. No, that's good, mate. And I think the key is, you know, it's, you know, you don't go to the doctor and the doctor sits you down and starts, you know, checking your temperature and, and you know, messing around and looking for, um, symptoms that you might not be well and then tells you what's wrong with you you go in and say he asks questions he said how have you been feeling what's been going on what are your symptoms what are you experiencing yeah the, doc the doctor collects this information and based on the responses you give he can then diagnose what's wrong and then give you the best solution for that so i think in a roundabout way it's, it's kind of similar when you're taking these kinds of calls i think initially the more listening and the less talking you can do while the customer kind of talks themselves into the fact that responding to that letter was the right decision and validates yeah. that in their own mind. That just, you're almost sort of downloading information, which then allows you to handle that next step appropriately and ultimately get that valuation. But because just like the job with a letter is to get the phone ringing, the job of the initial call is to book an appointment. It's not to sign them up. It's not to convince them that yeah. you're a hundred times better than every other agent that's ever walked the planet. It's just simply to create enough intrigue or enough value or a combination of the both to warrant that cup of tea and that appointment to go around and have a conversation properly. And also with this approach, when you get there, the defences aren't up because you haven't come around and said, let me come round and see if you might consider changing agent to me. So they're sat there, they're really relaxed, they're looking forward to seeing you because they can have an honest conversation, which you then provide when you get there. So you're honest with them as to why they haven't sold. And it's, again, that's that's got to follow because you'll lose trust quick if you then went down the standard estate agent presentation you know, type thing. So it's really important to then have that conversation. But when you get there, they will actually be in a different frame of mind because they're not thinking, and they probably haven't had the conversation where they say, no matter what he says, we're not signing anything. You know, don't let talk us into it. You just turn up, have a good, honest conversation with them. Their defences will be down. And yeah, honestly, if you're going around somebody's house who's already on the market, your conversion rate should be north of 80%. If it's less than that, then you then well, have a conversation with us and we'll talk about why we feel that is. But your conversion rate should be seriously high when you're going around somebody's house because very rarely when someone switches agent do they repeat the process they followed the first time of getting three people round. Yeah, if you're around there, you're front runner. And also, mate, but by this point, you know, they've, regardless of the intricate details of each isolated case, in their mind, that house hasn't sold. And the reason it hasn't sold isn't because their house is unsellable. Therefore, they're going to put the blame with the agent. So once in their mind, they've experienced an unsuccessful agent, as they will see it, things like fees um, are less of an issue than maybe what they would have yeah. been 
four months ago because now they're willing to pay as long as they get to where they need to be. So it's just sort of positioning yourself as the 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 the, the, the remedy to their pain point, I guess. Yeah, agreed. Well, the third question, mate, the third and final, I should say, was from an agent that uh, you've been speaking with more so than myself, um, a new starter who came into the business in the last sort of three or four weeks. And um, having some success, generating some conversations, booking some appointments, the wheels are starting to turn. Um, but one thing they've come up against is the fact that they're a new business and they're worried that that might zap a bit of confidence out of potential clients and actually go against them and hinder them from, from making progress with listings. Yeah, I mean specifically, they 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 felt that they may have lost out on the list on that basis. So the the, the valuation went well, bang on on price, the fee was agreed, um, relationship was good, got on really well, and you know this particular agent difficult to dislike really, got loads of personality, um, very personable. So they felt as if they ticked every box. They were really confident of selling selling it and looking forward to doing a great job. And then. Um, it's gone on elsewhere and you know they've, they've tried to get some feedback as to why they've not got it but like with most people most people are going to skirt around you know same as if you break up with someone it's not normally i don't know many people oh, give brutal, honest, <laughs> the brutal honest answer so um it's, it's hard to rely on that feedback so their suspicion is that they've they've missed out on the the deal because they were um new and they were really proud about demonstrating they were new and i think that makes sense and when, when we had the conversation, so I, I think I think when that occurs, what you should do is a little bit of an autopsy on the, the appointment. What did you do before? What did you do after? And actually narrow down why we think we lost it. So part of the if the if the issue is the the lack of evidence of your success that somebody likes you, their concern could be well, okay, what if we put it on the market with this individual and they don't go on to sell it? That's that's their only concern, really. They don't care if you're new, but you sell it next week. Their worries. So when we had the chat, I, I said, look, did you talk about your agency agreement and, and, and the length of that? No, that didn't come up. Okay, cool. And um, what agency agreement are you looking to get people to agree to at this moment in time? The agency, well, you know, you you said zero weeks works really well for you know all sorts of reasons that we spoke about before. Yes, I did. Okay, so why didn't you bring up the fact that you're zero weeks? And it 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 seemed to be that because of their entire career history being the same as yours and mine, where we work for corporate companies, that actually bringing up things like the fee and the contract length voluntarily is not something you do. So they deliberately avoided talking about the term. Probably without actually thinking, but you know, much like we all start like that, that in now that it's zero weeks, it's a massive, massive benefit. So not only should you talk about it, but you should be crowbarring that into every conversation because actually it's a really, really nice way to close people. So look, the appointment's gone really well. I feel that we've agreed on price. I think we've got on. I feel like hopefully you trust me to do a good job for you. Um, we've fee we're happy with um I, I actually think that maybe i'm leaving today if i was to guess that you had one concern and i would understand why you would it might be that because i'm a brand new agent i don't have that track record of having sold a ton of houses in your area with my own company albeit i sold loads before i started up xyz company um but what i'm at what i actually do because i want you to give you full autonomy to to make your own decision is I've removed the headache of the, the agency term for you. Whereas 
the other agents I'm guessing that have been around that have promoted all sorts of wonderful services they're so proud of their service and they're so they're going to try and lock you into a 12 14 16 week agreement so actually what they've done is they presented the best sales today but next week you might or you might not realize that you've not made the right decision um you'll be locked in with me I'm a zero week agreement so as far as I'm concerned you sign up with me and you work with me the whole time you're happy if in a week's time or two weeks time you phone up and you, you've had a change of heart or for any reason um, you want to switch agents, then we do it with a smile and a handshake. And I'd wish you the very best of luck with zero time whatsoever. And I do that because I, I hope that that would then enable you to give me a try. No, definitely, mate. I think that's a great way of doing it. Because like we said in the last podcast or a couple of podcasts ago, whenever it was, we were talking about it. The zero week agreement just sends a subliminal nod to the vendor that you're confident in your service because if it's anything less than what you're selling you know they're free to go and explore elsewhere and i think the other way of looking at it as well is that you know even though you're you might be a new business and and i can only speak for exp agents who are listening to this or experienced agents that have set their own business up elsewhere it doesn't really apply so much to you know people who were working in a completely different space 24 hours ago and and now they're estate agents but you know the important thing is that they're buying into you so i think if that comes up as a as an objection if you like or a concern that the seller's got that, that that might prevent you from winning the business on that day i think the key is saying you know look if it is that you're sort of concerned that we're a relatively new business, first off, I would completely understand that because I'd have the same uh, concerns myself. But I think it's important to recognise that the concern that you've got is because of a lack of track record. The benefit that you'd have with a new business very clearly is that we're a new business. We're keen to deliver. We want to have success because that's going to help us grow the business. We're not less resting on our laurels because we've not got 500 properties exactly like yours that will sell if yours doesn't. So I guess you agree that a benefit would be that because we are only so small, that means you get more of our attention. Would you say that that's the benefit? Yes, I would. Great. Therefore, the only issue is that you know, there's a lack of success, there's a lack of a track record. I can't hide behind that because we're a new agency. But what you're buying into is me. And although the business is new, I've been selling houses in Thatcham for the last 15 years. I actually sold, you know, Christine at number 18, you know, in 2012. And I did, and you can start to kind of fall back on the success that you have had and the experience that you have gained over the course of your career to that point. And I think that sort of combination of, oh, well, this person is very astute. They know the local market. They've had success. They clearly know what they're talking about. And they've got the added benefit that I'm going to be the only client or one of five clients or however many you're dealing with at that point. I think both of those things combined make it a more compelling reason to use you. Because it's true, Scott, and I think a lot of people, if you're being really honest with themselves, would agree to this. When you set up a business for a first time and you're in that sort of honeymoon period, you're super enthusiastic, you're responding to calls double quick, you're booking appointments double fast, you're pulling out all the stops to prove your worth because you're fighting against the world to get your name out there and establish those foundations. Ironically, that's when you're probably at your most efficient because you're not yeah. resting on your laurels or sick and tired or you're not finding it repetitive and monotonous. So I think that's a really good time for somebody to be working with someone when, you, when you're so keen to, to impress. So I guess sort of two takes on, on the same objection, but... Um, you're right, mate. I mean, I bet, I bet the first ever McDonald's burger was better than the one I had last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back when the McDonald's brothers were carefully crafting it themselves. So, exactly. Know the example maybe but it makes the point but yeah i think and i think it is it is 
actually, ta- again, it's take control. It's actually engineering the conversation to ensure that that zero week, if you're going to do zero week contracts, then honestly, the benefits are huge. It's just the easiest sell. Um, if anybody's 50-50 between you and someone else and you say, but I'm not going to lock you in, you've just, you've turned the tide. You know, you've made that 90-10 because yeah. why would I not, if I'm 50-50, why would I not go with the option that gives me an exit clause? Doesn't yeah. It is so simple, um, but I would engineer it so that, that comes up, not 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 hide behind it as we are used to. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Brilliant, mate. Well, uh, unless there's anything that you wanted to add to either of those three questions, I think we've given pretty yeah. well-balanced yeah. responses. Yeah, no, good, mate. Yeah, no, enjoyed that, Ben. Me too, mate, me too. Well, have a brilliant Friday, mate. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you on the other side. Look forward to it. All right, see you, Ben. Yeah.